Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Grief Out Loud podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Jana DeCristofero and wanted to give you just a little heads up as you listen to this episode, you'll be hearing references to our old name, which was Dear Dougie. So just so you don't get too confused, you're listening to the right podcast and we look forward to bringing you even more great content under the Grief Out Loud name. Thanks for joining us. In my grief, I found that these little turning points that have shaped my grief from this sharp pain to a dull ache hasn't been this one big turning point for me, instead the sum of many small moments. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dear Dougie podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children in Portland, Oregon. I'm Jana DeCristofero. After over 30 years of listening to the stories of grieving children, teens, young adults, and adults in our grief support groups, we wanted to share what we've learned from them with the larger community. This podcast is a way to open up the often avoided conversation about grief. While we all experience loss during our lives, when it occurs, we often don't know what to say, how to feel, or what to do. So whether you're grieving a loss or wanting to support someone who is, we're here to explore and talk about what matters to you the most in grief. Today is a different kind of podcast than we usually do. Rather than talking with just one or two people, we've asked our listeners to send us their thoughts on turning points, those moments when we understand ourselves and our grief in a new way. We're so thankful to everyone who contributed and excited to share their insights with all of you. So turning points, it's something we've talked quite a bit about this year in our groups. I first started to think about turning points after reading yet another article about closure and grief. What is closure anyhow? It's something I struggle to define and I hear other people struggle to define it uh, often in our groups. Uh, Never mind try to achieve it. Closure seems to be held up as this ultimate goal in grief, something to get to if we can just think the right thing or say the right thing or do the right thing. To me it seems like a lot of pressure and pretty reductionist uh, in the fact that it ignores the reality that grief is an evolving process, something that ebbs and it flows and it changes over time. There's not a start point and an end point to it. In our groups, we hear less about closure and more about turning points, those times, events, realizations even, that lead people to reorient to their grief. Sometimes this looks like unhooking from a story of guilt, shame, or regret. Other times it's turning into the grief again, understanding it in a new way, uh, feeling the emotions with more clarity. Now we want to be careful not to just replace the word closure with turning point, which would just continue to put pressure on those who are grieving to hurry up and feel better. Turning points can be experienced as positive, negative, and most often an intertwining of those two. In today's episode, we'll hear about moments when those in grief achieve a new understanding of what the loss means in their life. Others describe moments of stark clarity about who they are, what they value, and what they need in their process. There are turning points that bring some peace of mind and some that intensify the sadness, loneliness, and deep missing of the person who died. Those who contributed to this podcast shared that just figuring out what a turning point is and what it means to them was significant. As with almost everything in grief, it can be different for everyone. Here's how Ashley, Kaylin, and Susie define turning points in their grief. Turning point for me is like an unveiling of a new heightened awareness. It's, it's taking a step on a new path that uh, even if that path is one degree different than what the former path was, it will take you to a new place, a completely new place. 
Um, turning points are revelations, are, are heightened self-awareness, like I said. Uh, turning points have been positive things, positive moments, uh, comforting moments. This podcast topic gave me a focus to think back on the different types of relationships and deaths in my life. And one of the things that I realized is there's a common thread for me throughout my grief, and it's what I call tipping points. Um, some of those tipping points for me eventually transformed into a turning point. So what I mean by this is, for me, memories can be lasting connections through the physical void of the person who died. And in my grief, what might seem like a small thing to some, it's the memories that can often be a tipping point. It can be small memories like something in a smell or hearing a song, maybe eating or preparing a certain food. Those memories for me can evoke such a strong connection to the people who died. And sometimes in those moments, it felt like I was carrying bags that were overflowing with fragmented pieces of grief. I had all these questions and emotions, and it felt like I was just carrying bags that were filled to the top already. So when one more piece was being added, um, when a memory would sneak up and catch me off guard, it felt like I would tip over and never be able to pick up all the pieces again. I lost my oldest brother in 2004 in an accident, and in 2013, my youngest brother committed suicide. I think one thing that I've learned that's become a truth for me is that turning points haven't necessarily signified a point where all things are looking up from then on, but it does mark a special point in time that becomes a reference when times get hard. I can think back to um, something that I've learned along the way, and I'm, I'm able to access that. And one of those moments happened fairly early Early on after my youngest brother committed suicide and I was really struggling with needing to know that whatever he was, wherever he was, he was okay. And I was going through pockets and shoes and all sorts of things looking for notes or any sort of information or message of, of what had happened, why it had happened, and, and if he was okay. And um, and I had a dream about a month after he passed. And in that dream, um, he was in the room with me, and um, all of a sudden, the focus was just purely on his face. And his face came into focus, and he was smiling, just beaming, and just exuding this beautiful energy, um, just very radiant. And I knew in that moment that he was, whatever he was at that point, he was okay. And that was a very comforting moment for me um, in my grief. Grief for many seems to bring into clear focus what's important and what they most need, even if it's in contrast to what others think would be best. In some cases, this means making a decision to do something that at first could exacerbate difficult feelings. Learning to set boundaries is a common turning point. Ashley talks about how doing so helped her to better understand what that means. Elizabeth, at age 11, found a way to stand up for herself and her grief. For Jenna, moving back to the town she grew up in with her parents brought a new awareness of memories and reminders of her life with them. Putting up boundaries was very interesting, and that was, um, that was hard because it made me feel like I was cutting people out. And that's not me. Like I said, we're loyal. We don't cut people out if we don't have to or we don't want to. But I realized I wasn't cutting people out. I was, I was just taking a break. And I'm just, I'm just taking care of myself. And then there were some more specific, acute interactions that made me really put my foot down with some of my brother's friends and say, look, we're, my mom and I were really sad. Bottom line, we are sad all the time. And for you to treat me like you treated me adds to that. And so I'm going to set a boundary. And that was my next, I, I think that's my last turning point, really, in the story, is that I had uh, the realization 
of setting boundaries. And I have some friends now that I think about it that are really good at it, but I never understood what setting boundaries means. But setting the boundary just means saying no to people sometimes. The turning point in my grief came really early on. It had been about a month since my dad had died on my 11th birthday and my mom decided that our remaining family was going to be on antidepressants, That's that we needed this medical help, and I didn't feel that in my gut that that's what I needed. So we compromised, I would try it for a month. If I didn't like it, um, I could go off it and we'd never discuss it again. So we did that and I went off it and I just wanted to feel all of my grief so that it would make me stronger and it would shape the person I am now. So I stood up for my grief and that was my turning point. I think one of my biggest grief turning points was um, making the decision to move back to my hometown um, after living elsewhere for a little while, and I was really nervous to do that. I didn't know if the memories would be overwhelming, um, if running into people would be intense, or if I would just feel like very um, just too full of the memories of my parents um, and then to not have them there. Um, in my hometown and I felt like I needed to move back um, and I wanted to move back so I had to kind of face the reality of that grief in a new way um, and then when those reminders did start to happen they were challenging and they're still challenging um, when they happen but the longer that I'm here they feel a little bit less intense less harsh and they feel more friendly I think like I'm more um, surprised and kind of like excited to get a reminder of my parents um, or to run into someone who remembers them and um, I think that's been another turning point too that like those reminders that I was really afraid of uh, confronting now they're still they're still hard but um, I'm kind of more excited when it happens or at least um, grateful that I can feel more connected to the memories of my parents. Grief can make us strangers to ourselves. Overwhelmed with unpredictable emotions, we can feel disoriented and adrift without the anchor of the person who died. If the person played an important role in shaping who we are, it can be devastating to consider moving forward without being able to talk with them about our hopes and our dreams. Some turn inward, discovering new aspects of self. Others take a step back, seeking the bigger picture and opening to new ways of feeling the person's influence. Jenny describes the heartbreak of moving forward with life decisions without her mother. Chelsea, who lost a sense of herself when her mother died, finds connecting with the sense of something larger in the world to be transformational. I still hate the idea of having to make choices without the words of wisdom and encouragement from my mom. Like just last night when I cried in a crowded store for the first time in months, wishing I could talk to her. And I don't like admitting that I can and will make choices that I might not have if she were still alive. So when I lost my mom, I not only lost her as a person, but I really lost a sense of my identity and my personhood and who I was and where I was in the world. Um, I really did lose a sense of myself. So finding moments where I feel connected to something larger feels like a way to connect to her, which feels like it takes a little bit of that sharpness out of that pain of grief and loss. The biggest places I've found that has been when I'm out connected in nature. It can be things like I hear a bird chirp when I'm thinking of her and I just feel connected. It's even just that overall sense of something else is bigger than me out there. Every time I finish a hike and get in my car, I just feel connected to something else 
kind of takes away a lot of that hurt that grief has given me. It feels like I'm turning that grief into something. Activities and objects came up frequently. For Jenny, realizing she was once again able to enjoy reading, something she loved to do before her mother died, was a significant turning point. Chelsea talks about rediscovering her love of yoga, an activity she once shared with her mother. And Susie shares about an object that became symbolic of her younger brother who died, and what it was like to lose that representation. My name is Jenny and my mom Judy died suddenly in June 2013. As someone who relishes solitude and needs time for reflection in order to recharge, grief made that seem impossible to achieve. Either I couldn't even get time to myself, or if I did, I couldn't tolerate the thoughts that spiraled from introspection. I've recently regained my joy for reading, a simple pleasure. For at least the first year, I could barely concentrate long enough to read one page at a time, and it could only be from writings about death and grief, as I was desperate to understand and have my thoughts validated. I am grateful the stories of loss are out there. I don't want a world that denies the painful realities of life. I remember reading A Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis this year and thinking that it could be my go-to in a way, like when I just don't have the energy to think anymore about what I'm feeling. It was a comfort knowing someone had put the words down on the pages, like it would be there when I needed it to say, yes, that's it, that's how I feel about it today, and then I could move on to the next thing. I felt an odd mix of accomplishment and betrayal when I recently put down a book about the death of a parent in favor of something completely different that pulled my attention. Another huge place that I feel those turning points is when I'm on my yoga mat. Um, When I ground myself into my yoga mat, I feel like I'm grounding myself into more than just that present moment. I'm really connecting with my mom. Um, We found yoga together, and so it gives me a way to kind of circle back to something that we had that was so special to us. And... It gives me a way to mold my grief into something real and tangible and useful. It gives me a way to turn all of my hurt into something that is really um, therapeutic and really beautiful. And so for me, the turning points are just finding a way to do that, to move that grief from that sharp pain into the dull ache. My brother died of suicide in December of 2013. In September of 2014, I went on a camping trip with friends and I was the first one to get to the lake. And while I was waiting for everyone else, I walked out on this point and sat there for a while and decided to go swimming. So I took off my clothes and in doing so, um, there was something I'd carried with me since the day of my brother's funeral, which signified a lot to me was a guitar pick. It went everywhere with me. And if I felt in need of, of being in touch with him, I would hold the guitar pick. And when I went swimming, I had taken the guitar pick and carefully placed it on my clothes and swam and thought about existence and had all these big grand thoughts of life. And I got out and I sat and dried off for a while and read. And as I went to start putting on my clothes, the guitar pick that was so carefully laid on top flipped into the air and it fell perfectly in this tiny little rock crevice that was about three feet deep. I found that to be very, very ironic at the time and I thought, oh, I can I can get that out of the rock. And a couple days went by as we were at the lake and and I just kept putting it off because I didn't have the right tools to grab it and I just didn't quite know how to go about it. And the last day right before we left, a friend and I went out to the rock and, and we worked at this 
getting this pick out of this tiny little crevice. We worked at it for about a half an hour and finally I had it in between two sticks and pulling it up and it, right at the last it slipped and it fell even further and I knew at that point it was gone. And that was a turning point for me because this guitar pick, this constant companion that I had had for nine plus months, I had to let go and I had to find some inner strength beyond that. that little symbol of, of, of strength that I had been holding on to. I realized at that time that I no longer needed it, that I had actually gained that inner strength to be able to move toward a more healthy life of healing. I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with Ashley Caritas, a participant in our group for young adults. Ashley's father died from cancer when she was young, and about 18 years later, she had the realization that even among the continued sadness, she and her family were doing okay. They were engaged in their lives and experiencing success and moments of fulfillment. She then encountered a new turning point, however, when her brother died suddenly in an accident. My father died when I was nine, and by the time I was in high school, just about to go to college, I was realizing that uh, I realized what grief was, and I realized that my family was probably all feeling the same things, but we were behaving in different ways, and we were not really grieving together as a family unit, um, which made me sad. I like to think that we're all running parallel along each other, feeling the same things but never intersecting. Then after college, I was you know, becoming a professional in, in my career and, and exploring new things, and I realized about it was about 15 to 18 years or so after my dad died that I looked at my family, took a step back, and realized that we were all doing pretty well and that we were employed and we were doing things that you're supposed to do, like have a good job and make money and we're doing all these great things, but we're also traveling the world and you know, doing all these fun things and um, we're experiencing, experiencing romance or love for the first time, you know, and so we were doing pretty well. Um, so that was a great turning point. And then uh, things were going really well in our family and um, my brother died, I remember thinking almost immediately, why, why, why are we just going to have to experience this again. Why now? Why this again? How could this possibly happen to us a second time? So there were lots of turning points in the um, the days that it took me to get to his hospital bedside, the days that I saw him on machines in the hospital, uh, was with him when he died. Those days were um, brutally hard to experience because of the realization that am I back at square one? Do I have to do this all over again? Will I be alone? Will my mom grieve the same way that she grieved like she used to and we won't really talk about it? Will we remember him? What will happen now? Will we lose all the ground that we've gained yeah, since exactly. my dad died? Do I have to wait another 20 years until I feel good again? Another turning point that I experienced was about, I think it was probably two to three months after he died. Um, I woke up one morning and, and I thought to myself, I remember hitting the snooze button, and I said to myself, oh good, I woke up. It's all, life is good, life is how it was supposed to be, and for about 10 minutes I kept hitting the snooze button that would go off every four minutes. I kept hitting it, hitting it. And I realized over the couple of snooze buttons that I was still in the living hell that was before I woke up. And the dream that I thought I was living in where my brother had died was not a dream. That was my new reality, and that was so hard because I was just groggy and getting out of bed, but that's the first thing you think about when you get out of bed. So that was another interesting turning point. Um, and that's one of, of 
connecting to the grief in a new way, maybe in a more painful way, mm-hmm. the reality of right. it. That's possibly the, the setback where you, or you feel like you're experiencing a setback. We can get attached to a turning point being a positive leap forward. This can lead to frustration on those days when grief feels raw and new again. These returning points of grief can occur when we face big events in our lives. This was true for Kaylin, who found herself acutely missing her mother and sister on her wedding day. Um, another um, monumental moment in my life was my wedding day, and I caught myself wishing that my sister and my mom, um, my mom died of ALS in 2010. Both of those people were huge um, presences in my life, and I really wish that on my wedding day they could have been there to celebrate with me, but also just to be there and, and be present with me on that day. Those moments, um, those days are ones that I felt like the smallest wind could tip me over. And it didn't matter that it'd been years since my sister died. It didn't matter that it had been years since my mom died. Um, Those were days that were pretty rough and um, it felt like I just couldn't manage anything else, um, even though they were supposed to be celebratory days. For many of you, thinking about turning points brought a new understanding of grief and how it is constantly shifting. This is a poignantly individual process, as people find ways to allow for both the lightness and the heavy-heartedness of grief, and most of all, making space to remain connected to the people who have died. Jenny talked about the bittersweet realization that while grief is always with her, she is also willing to consider the possibility of joy. For Ashley, it's about adapting to the multitude of emotions that come with grief. Kaylin shared about never really knowing what will get easier or when, but getting to a place of being okay with that uncertainty. I mourned so deeply well into the second year, and most of the last year was just about learning how to live day to day with the pain of my mom's absence and navigating life events, both big and small. The grief is always there on some level. It's never really been a conscious choice to allow or deny myself the time I need to process and feel my grief. It was, however, the priority in my life. My focus has shifted in recent months. While I still feel the exhaustion of grief wearing at my spirit, somehow my attention has moved toward the future and a new phase of my life. Despite that disorienting fog I've been in since my mom died, I have at times felt such clarity around my priorities and values. It's shocking to me, and it helps when I'm feeling depleted. I now have more space in my life to cultivate things that I sense will bring me joy. I'm more willing to consider the possibility of joy. I take the time to get outside as much as possible and appreciate nature more than I ever did before. It is bittersweet, especially when I have moments where I can't remember when I last thought about it. If I grieve forever, even if it's not as heavy and sad as it is in the first six months or a year or two years or five years, at least they're on my mind and, and in my heart, and that's, that's very important to me. You can feel happy and be grieving. You can feel joy. You can feel sorrow. You can feel isolated. But these things are all happening throughout your entire life. You can't just let go of one thing. It's, it's, a, it's like a living thing inside of you almost and that you carry with you. And um, for me, it's, you know, it's about adapting. Recognizing that I have some turning points doesn't give me a, a get out of grief pass. Um, it doesn't mean that I won't still walk the path of missing those that I love. It doesn't mean that I still won't grapple with emotions and questions. Um, not all of my tipping points have evolved into a turning point, and I honestly can't predict if they ever will be easier, 
or not. Um, for me, grief on varying levels and intensity will always be present in my life. And I think I'm learning to say that that's okay for myself. Grief is not something that I can outgrow or pack away in a little box. And it kind of sounds odd, but I find myself eager to discover what new turning points may arise for me because I've recognized, um, just reflecting on this topic, that some of those tipping point moments that were once so painful for me to think about or have to face, those have also been transformed to include um, a shimmer of joy and comfort. And this brings us to the end of another episode of the Dear Dougie podcast. Thank you again to everyone who contributed to this episode. Your memories, insights, and heartful sharing make a difference. And to all of you out there, thank you for listening. To learn more about the Dougie Center and listen to past episodes, check out Dougie.org. That's D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to talk about what matters most to you about grief and loss, so send any suggestions our way at help at Dougie.org. Be sure to put podcasts somewhere in the subject line. Thanks for listening.